This is the first Sunday of Advent, and traditionally, the first Sunday of Advent is talking about our, our, the future coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, when Christ will return. And so we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus and where he comes from and, and what that will be like this morning. But first, I want to talk a little bit about my home. I want to talk a little bit. I've talked about this a number of times. I'm pretty proud of the place that I'm from. I'm from the great state of Colorado, the Centennial State, incorporated in 1876, 100 years after the Declaration of Independence. Our state motto is nil sine numine. Nothing without the divine. How many of you people know your state motto, huh? No? What is it? She flies without wings. She flies without wings. Do you know it in Latin? No. Oh, come on, Mike. All right. All right. <laughs> Nil sine numine. Nothing without the divine. In fact, Colorado, by average elevation, is the state in the United States which is closest to God. So the holiest people... <laughs> come from Colorado. Our state tree is the blue spruce. Our state flower is the columbine. It is a good state to be from. I love it. I could see outside my window growing up the Pikes Peak Mountain, from which the beautiful song, America the Beautiful, was written. When we talk about purple mountains, we're talking about my mountains, people. When we're talking about <laughs> amber waves of grain, we're talking about Kansas, but they don't really matter that much. And <laughs> no offense to anybody from Kansas, you know, but what are you doing all the way out here? Um, I'm proud of Colorado. I love it. Um, I don't know if you heard this recently, but there's a number of bond measures uh, across the country during our voting time. But uh, I, I just wanted to announce and celebrate with you all that uh, this fall, Colorado finally abolished slavery for itself. All right. <laughs> My goodness. I can't, <laughs> can't believe that was still on the books, but I'm proud of them nonetheless. What happens in Colorado affects me. It's, it's part of who I am, and, and it always feels like, like I'm always drawn back to Colorado. It always feels like part of Colorado calls me and, and determines my life, determines the things that I enjoy, determines the things that I like, and, and it's something about it. I long for that Colorado air. I long to go back and lose my breath at the elevation and, and, and just, just suck in that uh, almost oxygen that they have there. It's a good thing. There's something about our homes, where we are from, that orients our lives. Our homes tend to orient our lives. Where are you all from? Who's from Oregon? Raise your hand if you're from Oregon. All right. We've got some proud people. She, fly, she, flies with, she flies on her own wings or something? She flies on her wings. Excellent. Where else are you? Who's, who's from a state that's adjacent to Oregon? Anybody? You know? Idaho. Idaho. Washington, New York. New York, all right, fantastic, yeah, Illinois, Illinois. <laughs> what point in your life do you want, Kansas, oh, are you from Kansas, oh no, I'm so sorry, <laughs> oh, I've driven across Kansas a lot, I went to seminary in, in Kansas City, and uh, so I've done that drive I do it, yeah, I can do it in my sleep. Anyone can do that driving their sleep. Um, <laughs> our home really kind of, kind of says something about us and gives us direction. And, and I don't know about you, but I am proud of my home. But I, I don't think, 
I don't think Jesus felt the same way about his home the way I feel about my home. Jesus had a tough relationship with his home. Jesus' home was Nazareth, Nazareth, and so sometimes we call him the Nazarene. He started his ministry in Nazareth, but stuff happened in Nazareth that led him to say things like a prophet is, uh, is without honor in his hometown, right? I'll give you a, a picture. Uh, Jesus begins his ministry in his hometown of Nazareth. This is found in Luke chapter 4. And he comes back from the desert where he had been tempted, where he had been fasting. He comes to synagogue on a Sabbath. And uh, the Jewish leaders... Uh, the way synagogue happened, they would, they would have the men in the room, and they would choose somebody to read the scripture, and then they would have a discussion about it. And so, so Jesus was back from wherever he was, and they said, oh, Jesus, why don't you stand up and read the scripture? Come on, Jesus, read the scripture for us. Get us started this morning. And so Jesus finds the place where, where it's written in Isaiah 61, and he says, and he reads these words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, release to the captives, freedom to the oppressed, to announce the year of the Lord's favor. And it was a beautiful hope and a dream for God's coming when God will make all things right, Well, God will lift up the low, bring down the mighty, will bring down the arrogant, where God, where there will be equity and justice and peace and shalom, the year of the Lord's favor. And everybody sat back and said, yes, we long for that day. Yes, we dream for that day. I can't wait for that day. Good scripture, Jesus, good choice. And Jesus sits down and says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Whew, what? What does that mean? I, I imagine the other Jewish leaders start looking. What is, what is Jesus saying here? What is Jesus saying? And then somebody said, this is great news. Jesus is saying that God's kingdom is starting right here in Nazareth. Isn't he our boy? We know him. He's our hometown hero. God's kingdom is coming to Nazareth. And they start to get excited. And then Jesus says, he says, <laughs> sometimes Jesus is his own worst enemy, right? And he says to the crowd, he says, surely, sure you'll, surely you'll say how good it is um, that we're in Nazareth. Doctor, come to your own and heal your own people. But I tell you the truth, that when there was a drought in the time of Elijah, there were many widows, but Elijah was sent to a foreign widow in Zarephath. And in the time of Elisha, I tell you the truth, there were many uh, people with leprosy in Israel, but only Naaman the Syrian was healed. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, Nazareth, if you think that the kingdom of God is just for you, if you think the kingdom of God is just for your people, you got it completely wrong. God's kingdom is for absolutely everyone. What did they do when they heard this? They led Jesus, they rioted. They said, no, not in our town. And they led Jesus to a cliff to throw him off of a cliff. Now, I've preached some bad sermons, but <laughs> I've never had a riot try to throw me off of a cliff before. So Jesus left Nazareth. He, he wasn't honored in his hometown. 
Nazareth, John chapter 146, when, they hear, when some of the disciples hear about uh, Nazareth, they say, what good can come from Nazareth? Jesus had a hard relationship with Nazareth. It wasn't, didn't feel like home. And I think about Bethlehem as well. Bethlehem, Bethlehem is his ancestral home. It's the, the home of his father, Joseph's uh, ancestors. It's the city of David. And when they go back to Bethlehem to be born, of course, we know there was no room for him in Bethlehem, as the King James Version says there. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothing and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Jesus didn't have a place for himself. Jesus didn't have a place where he belonged. Jesus didn't have a home or a family that he felt safe with. And so maybe you're unlike me. Maybe you don't really feel attached to Colorado. Maybe you don't really feel attached to your home state. Maybe you don't feel attached to your family in that way, and you feel, boy, I'm a little bit without a home. Well, if that's the case then you are in good company with Christ because his family tried to stop him, his home rejected him, and he was homeless. As he says, the the birds have their nests and the foxes have their dens, but for the Son of Man, he has no place to rest his head. Jesus was without home. Jesus longed for another kind of home. He dreamed about another home, another home that gave him direction, another home that oriented his life, another home that guided the way he thought and believed and moved in this world. As he was gathering with his disciples towards the end of his ministry, on the night when he, was handed him, when he handed himself over, he gathered together his disciples for kind of his last words the final things he's going to say to them. I imagine he said something to the effect of, I've told you guys numerous times that I'm going to die. You get that, right? And any time this happens in the scriptures, it always says that the disciples did not understand what he was talking about. (laughs) I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I've told you numerous times, and and now that hour has come upon us, and so there's something that's going to happen to me. I'm going to go away, and where I go, you can't be. But I leave you my peace. I leave you this commandment. Love one another. If you do this, then the world will know that you are my disciples. This is the commandment I leave with you. Love one another. Trust in God, trust also in me. I've got another home in mind. I belong to another place. I'm going to call it my father's house. This is my home. And here's the good news in my father's house, there are many rooms. If you feel like you don't have home, I've got good news for you. You've got a home with me in my Father's house. If you feel like you don't have family, I've got good news for you. You got family with me in my Father's house. In my Father's house, there is room for absolutely everyone. 
and I'm going there now and I'm preparing a place for you so that where I am, you may also be. You know the way. Jesus knew the way to his father's house. Jesus knew uh, how, what, what way, what way of living his, his home was orienting him towards. Right? The way to his father's house was through sacrifice. It was through the cross. And it was through resurrection. The air that Jesus longs to breathe is the air of self-giving love. The home that directs his life, directs him in ways to lay down his life for others. And he says to the disciples, you know the way. You know the way I'm talking about. And then Thomas pipes up. He says, or no, I'm sorry, it's Philip. Uh, Philip pipes up. He says, Jesus, we, we don't know the way. Do you guys know the way? We don't know the way. Show us the way. And Jesus says to them, how long have you guys been with me? You guys don't get this yet? I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If you want to come into my Father's house, you come through me. Know me. Love me. Follow my paths. Follow my direction. Give of yourselves. Love one another. This is the path to my Father's house. Follow me. Jesus is the way. If you feel without home, if you feel without family, you have home, you have family. As Jesus says to his disciples, anyone who has lost home or mother, or brother, or sister, or spouse, for my sake, will gain that much, gain so much more in this life, and eternal life in the life to come. Whatever you've lost, you will gain in me. If you feel familyless, if you feel homeless, you have a family, you have a home in Christ. I am the way. It's interesting. And it's ironic that Jesus, for whom there was no room ready for him, for whom there was no place for him in Nazareth, demonstrates his ministry by making room for others. In Jesus' Father's house, there is room for absolutely everyone. No one is left out at all. Where is Jesus' Father's house? Where is God's house? Where is heaven, I guess is the question. Um, This is what we struggle with a little bit because we have a different cosmology. We have a different order of the universe uh, than first century people. So when they said, where did Jesus go? Where did Jesus ascend to? He ascended up. He ascended up, which doesn't quite make as much sense for us, right? Because we live on a ball. There is no up. There is only out. There is only out there, right? Where did Jesus go? Jesus went out? That doesn't, that seems odd. He stepped out for a bit. He's going to come back in, right? I want to help us a little bit this morning. I want us to understand that the word up, the word above, is a metaphor. And for ancient people, up and above is a metaphor for good and better. We still do it today, right? The highest and the best, we say, right? So high and up and above are metaphors for the good, the best, 
the perfect. It doesn't quite, I want, I want to get us away from that spatial metaphor of up and down because we live on a globe and, and those things kind of confuse us. There's another way that we could talk about Jesus and where he is. He is ahead. He is in front of us. He is coming. Think of it as a time metaphor. Jesus is in the future, welcoming us into his future. Where did Jesus go? He went forward to prepare a place for us. And from the future, Jesus beckons us into that good heaven, into that good future. Where is heaven? Don't look up and around. Don't look into outer space. Stop sending probes looking for heaven. Just kidding, I don't think they're actually looking for heaven. If you want to know where heaven is, look in front of you. Look where we are going. Heaven is in front of us. It is our destination. It is the kingdom coming. And we look forward to Christ who is coming from there to usher in that good future. This is the place where there are many rooms. We have a good future in front of us. Christ is preparing the future for us. The one who had no room in Bethlehem is making rooms for all of us. A couple of action steps to end us this morning. A couple of ways for us to be thinking about this. The first one is to make room for Christ in your life. Is there room for Jesus in your life? Is your life too full? Do you got too many things going on? Is your calendar too full? My goodness, getting into the holiday season, it's ironic, isn't it? That this is the time of year when we overfill our calendars. We squeeze less room out, right? Take a look at your life. Is there room for Christ? Is there room for your devotion? Is there room for you to be with God? Is there room for you to pause and say, Christ, enter my life. Guide me, direct me, show me the way. Secondly, make room for others in your home and in your church. As we move forward through these holiday seasons, are we making room for people who don't have room? Are we making room for people who don't have family? Are we making room for people who don't know where they fit in? Let's follow the model of Christ and make room for others. We say to those who are cast out, you belong here. We say to those who feel like they don't have friends, they don't belong, you belong here. As we approach uh, Christmas Eve, as we get closer and closer, we're going to see people who are looking for places to belong. They're looking for places. Is this the church family that can help me, guide me? Is this the place where I can grow in my faith and be loved? And if nobody ever talks to them, they're going to get their answer, right? So in the church, people are looking for places to grow and to, to be nurtured in the faith. Let's make room for them. Let's guide them. And then finally, um, enough of this metaphor talk. Let's just make some actual rooms, right? <laughs> Last year, we built a Habitat for Humanity home uh, for, a, for a family down in Salem. In one day, we hammered together all the walls for this home, and we loaded them up, and, and we, almost, we almost killed just one person. It was okay, but he survived. <laughs> and, uh, and we... It was incredible. We had 150 people out hammering together, um, a, I don't know, how many walls did we do? 30, 40 walls? And we gathered them all together, 
And we brought them down and set them on a foundation down in Salem. In one day, we framed all the walls for a Habitat for Humanity house. It was an incredible project, an incredible day. We're going to do it again to this year. And so for Christmas Eve, all the money donated on our Christmas Eve offering will go 100% to our Help Build Hope project where we build a house for a Habitat for Humanity, where we actually make a room for people who don't have rooms. So I encourage you to be thinking about your giving this Christmas and, and make some room to give towards our Help Build Hope project. Christ does have a home. Even when he felt homeless, he has a home in heaven. He has a home with his Father. You and I, we may have homes here that we have some affinity to, but you and I, we have a higher home, a home in heaven where there is room for absolutely everyone. Let your heavenly home direct your steps, guide you in self-sacrificial love, laying down your life for others, and love one another. This is the way we will be known as Jesus' disciples.